What's up, Whisper Nation, and welcome into the Week 14 Matchup Preview Show. Right here. I'm your host, Big Travi, with the Fancy Whispers. As always, I'm joined by ARC in a brand new cardigan. If you guys are watching on Patreon, you can see this goodness that he's in right now. How's it going, Austin? It's going really well, man. It was uh, came in a little bit redder off the online Black Friday purchase. I thought that was going to be orange. It's red. It's perfect for the season. I'm feeling good. And for all the fantasy blood that's about to be spilt. It's like the red wedding of, of fantasy football. Look, I uh, if you guys don't know, you should know by now. Austin is a, you know, you have sneaker heads. Austin's like a cardigan head. He's like a, he's definitely a sweater head. And uh, I just love his his sweater style. So it's good to see in that. If you want his Twitter style, you can head over to Twitter at Austin underscore R underscore Sear. We're glad to be on the mic with you tonight. Also on the mic here, Johnny Game Time Hicks, business partner extraordinaire. You can find him on Twitter at Johnny underscore Game Time. Johnny. Week 14 is here. Are you ready to rock and roll? You re- you got your lineup set? Are you ready? I mean, my li- my lineup's not set, uh, I'm, and I'm not nearly as ready as that uh, cardigan that Austin has over there. I need to get one of those, and then maybe I'll be a little bit more prepared for this weekend. Have you found that when you have a good cardigan, Austin, it equates to more fantasy points? No, it's the opposite. When I have more time available because I'm not in the playoffs in my league of record, I have more time to do deep dives through the clearance aisles of the interwebs versus the deep stats and available waiver wire options on my league of records waiver wire. It's a little inverse relationship right there. Yeah, I guess that would make more sense, right? You're filling the holes of your heart with uh, some purchases online. That makes that makes some sense. Yeah. All right. Well, we want to help Whisper Nation. Those of you that are still in the playoffs, fighting for relevancy, fighting to not get last, whatever it is you're doing this week in your fantasy football world, we want to help you. And we want to go through each game and our narratives for that game and for those fantasy relevant players. And our first game on the slate, boys, is the Jacksonville Jaguars hosting the Tennessee Titans. This is a 54 and a half point over under Tennessee favored by seven and a half. Johnny, look, we know it's December. We know it's Derrick Henry month. How good is Derrick Henry? And, you know, there was a running joke going on from Establish the Run, Evan Silva and the guys over there, that there's two owners of the Jacksonville Jaguars. There's Shad Khan, and then there's Derrick Henry. So tell us a little bit about Derrick Henry in this matchup and in this month. Well, I can understand. It, we all thought it was going to start last week, you know, uh, December, uh, where Derrick Henry just runs wild. Uh, but it, was, it just turned into a bad game script against Cleveland. And you, what you did like out of that was they were trying to stick it out with Derrick Henry, even though it clearly was not working, and he still saw his touches. Um, he's had, on the opposite side of that, though, we were hoping he would get a little bit more involved in the targets uh, area. He would get a couple more of those, but uh, he hasn't seen more than two targets in a game, uh, except for twice uh, since their week four bye. So I don't see them moving in that direction, but the, the positive news here is that the game script this week should heavily favor the Tennessee Titans. Now, I, I look at that monster over-under, and I, I look at the Tennessee Titans scoring the, the vast majority of those points. Jacksonville is giving up, the on average, 25 carries for 110 yards per game to opposing running backs, and, then he's all, and they're also allowing 10 rushing touchdowns uh, in 13 weeks, you guys. Like, this is insane. And then you look at what Derrick Henry is doing, well, Derrick Henry is averaging 110 rushing yards per game. 
So expect a monster game from Derrick Henry, you know, over 110 rushing yards. I do expect him to get in the end zone, if not once, uh, or definitely once, if not twice. Yeah, so Henry is the motor that makes this offense run. We know that much, right? So, But Ryan Tannehill has been the question for me because he hasn't been as sharp as we got accustomed to him doing, but he had some tough matchups. Austin, he's going to face this Jacksonville team that's been pretty you know, pretty generous to opposing quarterbacks. How are you feeling coming into this matchup? I'm feeling really good coming into this matchup for Ryan Tannehill. And you talked a little bit about how he's been disappointing as of late. And really the story of Ryan Tannehill needs to be looked at in these three chunks, the beginning of the season, the middle, and now coming here to the end because he started off on such a great pace there with 23 points, 34 points um, outputs in his first two weeks, six touchdowns in those first two weeks. He was looking really, really good. Uh, Slow down, came back to earth. Um, or during that middle stretch. Now, still had some mountain games in that middle stretch, which kept him relevant on your radar. I mean, he's had at least one touchdown pass in all but one game this season, and he's actually broken. He's usually getting you multiple touchdown passes. He's shown us he can grab you four touchdown passes. And in the last three weeks, he's the number five overall quarterback in the NFL compared to his number eight for the entire season. So he's better been better in the last three weeks than he has been over the course of the year. Um, and in that stretch, 21 points, averaging 389 yards, three touchdowns last week. And going up against the Jags this week, that give up the fourth most amount of fantasy points to the quarterbacking position with the 30th ranked pass defense. I'm feeling really good about Ryan Tannehill, Travis. The only issue I'm concerned with at all is the health of his weapons. So if they're all feeling good, I'm feeling good about Ryan Tannehill. And even if they're not feeling 100%, I'm still rolling Ryan Tannehill out with confidence. Yeah, quickly, you mentioned those <clears throat> weapons and their health. Let's talk a little bit about those tight ends, Austin, because Jonah Smith missed last game. But Ferkser yeah. was able to kind of come into this matchup and uh, at least see the target share, peripheral numbers that you like to see. So is it kind of a situation where uh, it doesn't matter who's starting, but whoever the starter is, you want them in your lineup? At the tight end position, pretty much if... Jonu Smith is out. I'm feeling really good about Anthony Ferkshire, who's seen seven-plus targets in any game where Jonu Smith's snap percentage has dropped below 40%. So if Jonu's out, fire up Ferkshire. But if Jonu Smith is still active, we need to keep an eye on his health. And you need to read between the lines a little bit to see how healthy and involved you really expect Jonu Smith to be. Because we went in a deep take on it last week. But during those weeks 6 through 12 for Jonu Smith, he was the number 17 ranked tight end right behind Anthony Ferkshire. Um, so if he's in and he's actually healthy, we're expecting a bounce back performance from Jonu Smith, a little bit of retro earlier in the year Jonu Smith. And this matchup here going up against that Jacksonville Jaguars defense, they give up the seventh most points to the tight end position. So it is a really nice get right spot for Jonu Smith. You're just going to have to keep an eye on how healthy he really is. And not just in, but how much involved in practice he's been, and is he going to come and give you what he's capable of giving you? Yeah, you're hoping by Friday he gets a full participant in somewhere so that you could feel a little bit more confident putting him into your lineup. Uh, we hope to get some more information for you. Make sure you stick with us over on YouTube as we put out content daily over there, a couple lives uh, to head into week 14. We talked about all the other weapons, but these wide receivers, guys, and we know it's A.J. Brown at the top of that wide receiver depth chart, seven or more targets in four of his last six. He's got 85 or more receiving yards. In four of his last seven, he is the wide receiver 14 in standard and the wide receiver 24 in PPR. You look at the matchup, it's great. 
Only four teams allow more points per game to the wide receiver position than Jacksonville. 26.9 points per game. And get this, guys, 14 touchdowns allowed to the wide receiver position in 2020. That smells like good cooking for A.J. Brown. But, guys, we got to talk about the best wide receiver over the last few weeks for the Tennessee Titans. That's actually Corey Davis. So a great stat that came out by Roto World this week. Corey Davis is the 14th highest scoring receiver in fantasy football over the past five weeks. Davis has outscored his teammate A.J. Brown over the last stretch with a um, with a 113-yard day against Baltimore in Week 11 and a 184-yard day against the Browns in Week 13. Davis now has drawn seven red zone targets over those last five games, two more than A.J. Brown. So you know, maybe the debate is A.J. Brown or Corey Davis. For me, it doesn't matter. Get them both in your lineup this week against Jacksonville. It's going to be a great spot for both of them. And we're just kind of happy to see Corey Davis getting it done this year. Uh, finally, he's he's doing his best Devontae Parker impression and breaking out in the in the fourth year. On the other side of the ball, we've got the Jacksonville Jaguars, and really it's it's a story of James Robinson. But before we get into that, Johnny, anything um, piquing your interest with those pass catchers? We, you know, we thought DJ Shark could get it done for us last week. How are you feeling this week? Yeah, I, my honest advice here would be to drop DJ Shark uh, this week. Uh, it's a nice matchup. I understand it's unfortunate Tennessee giving up the seventh most fancy points to opposing wide receivers but it's just not there's no connection between uh you know dj chark and mike glennon you've seen countless number of routes where he just overthrows them dj chark is wide open there's just not a connection there if anything there's a connection with colin johnson uh where he's now racked up eight catches in his last two games totaling 162 yards and a touchdown um but again that's you're throwing darts there. Uh, I don't know if I would trust that in my fantasy lineup. So uh, I would leave DJ Chark and hope that maybe somebody else would play him and then uh, they can deal with that issue. But I, that would be my opinion. That that lack of trust for DJ Shark, Austin, comes to do with, you know, probably Mike Glennon, right? And look, this is actually a good matchup on paper, Tennessee, but there's not really a world we're putting Glennon in the lineup. No, when you say it really comes down to Mike Glennon, I'd say it actually really comes down to the front office and what the future plans of the Jacksonville Jaguars are. There's really only two teams at this point still in the Trevor Lawrence Bowl, and that's the Jacksonville Jaguars and the New York Football Jets. Cincinnati Bengals could make a case for it if they really tried hard, but we know they have their quarterback of the future over there. So it's it's not they're not involved here. So competing now for that last spot we've got Jacksonville which has gone through a quarterback carousel we've heard Gardner Minshew wants to come back but they're not starting him they're not going to be playing they're not trying to win there's nothing to win and there is a lot to win if you do lose so they're going to cap Mike Glennon's opportunity no matter what I mean he's not doing awful 258 yards one and a half touchdowns um, over those last two games he's been in averaging 18 points um, in our league over there so it's not the worst option but you just got to figure this team's not trying to win they've got larger goals in mind that's going to cap his ceiling it's a do not start somebody should tell james robinson they're not trying to win because this dude's trying to win you fantasy football leagues this year if you picked him up late in the offseason and maybe you're you know that same attitude that caused you not to pick him up let's say is making you miss what he's doing he has not scored less than 10 fantasy points since week five um, he's seen 16 or more carries in all but three games this season. He's behind only Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook in rushing yards this year. He's the RB4 in PPR and standard. Tennessee is a great matchup. They allow the six most points per game to running back in 2020. Uh, you love what you see out of James Robinson. I just wanted to give him a little bit of a shout out there. Moving on to our next matchup, we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers hosting the Minnesota Vikings. This is a 51.5 over under. 
We have got Tampa Bay favored by nearly a touchdown, six and a half coming off the bye. Johnny, look, this is, we're going to talk a little bit about this throughout the program. And we talked on the Thursday night matchup. There's a lot of streamers in bad matchups. And Kirk Cousins is one of them now coming off of, you know, great games so far and facing this tough Tampa defense. Yeah, on the surface, Tampa Bay, very stout defense right around the around the goal line. But if you look at it, Tampa Bay is giving up the six most passing yards in the league uh, to uh, uh, quarterbacks. And then they're also giving up the eighth most passing touchdowns in the NFL with 23 so you can, uh, you know, have a little temptation there with Kirk Cousin, who is also, you know, he kind of does this at the end of every year, but he's three straight games with 300 plus yards and three touchdowns. So uh, I know that the uh, streaming landscape is quite dry this week, and I think that you could find a lot worse than Kirk Cousins. Um, the matchup does seem a little bit more scarier than it actually is. Are you scared off of uh, Kyle Rudolph after a zero last week against Jacksonville, Johnny? Uh, yeah, I am a little bit scared off there. Uh, even, you know, we don't know what the status of Irv Smith is. And then, you know, Tampa Bay only giving up 8.1 uh, fantasy points to opposing tight ends. It's not that great. Uh, so the Rudolph's upside. Got a foot. Rudolph's got a foot himself, too. So that's something to look at. But Austin, what really makes Kirk Cousin go are these stud wide receivers, man. Oh boy, right? We're looking at a tan. We're not we're looking at a historic duo right here. And to start the year, it was DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett is the one too. Mm-mm. It is Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson as those number one, number two wide receivers back to back smash them up all the time. We're talking about the number four and number five wide receivers on the year in standard all season long. And over the last month, four games, number wide receivers number two and number four. So we've got, I mean, it's they've been good all season. Jefferson started off a little bit slow. We know we're talking about a rookie wide receiver here. But after he came in and smashed early on, has not looked back. Do not overthink this. If either one of them end up flopping for you, it's just going to be a bad draw. Tampa Bay gives up the ninth most points to wide receivers. We're not looking at a lockdown, can't get out of this, jail cell in the Mariana Trench kind of situation. It's a fine matchup. They're going to do what they do. And if they don't, it's just bad luck. Don't take it personally. I love the breakdown there. We talk about the talent of those wide receivers. Johnny talked about this actual matchup being a lot better than we thought, which means Dalvin Cook, who's standard, you know, standard fantasy football's RB1, PPR's RB2, he has seven games with 20 or more fantasy points. He's not seen below 18 carries since week two. I mean, this is a monster, uh, you know, running back, a monster asset to have in fantasy football, but now he's going to go up against... Tampa Bay, who's a really tough defense. And I really think Minnesota is going to be geared up to just throw it on Tampa. And that could spell a lower uh, output game for, for Dalvin Cook. You look at Tampa Bay only allowing 53 yards per game. They allow the second fewest points per game with 14.0 uh, points per game, two running backs. But it's Dalvin Cook. Like I said, seven games with 20 or more fantasy points. That ceiling you're not putting on your bench. Uh, just I'm, I'm, inter I'm interested to see that, that battle between that defense and Dalvin Cook. On the other side of the ball, we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're fresh off of a bye. Austin, I got to ask you about the wide receivers because it's the most talented group across the board that we see in the NFL, but I'm just not sure how it's going to shake out. We have the bye week. Maybe they got more time to chemistry-wise. How are you feeling about starting these guys? 
feeling really good about starting any one of these three wide receivers. And let's go ahead and lump Rob Gronkowski into this conversation as well overall. But the Vikings here give up the third most amount of points to the wide receiver position. And I expect the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to be able to do basically what they want through the air. Now, I don't mean that the, they're just going to get it and it's going to happen automatically for them, but I mean that their game plan is going to – they're not going to have to change their game plan up. They're going to have to just see it through the course of the game. And the way I believe that's going to shake out is the way we've seen it shake out over this last month, last three, four-week stretch, where Chris Godwin has led the team in snap percentage. Um, he's on the field more than anybody else. But Mike Evans is leading the team in targets and, most importantly, red zone targets. And Antonio Brown there will remain a high-ceiling third option, but he's going to have the lowest floor as he is the least involved of those three wide receivers there. Taking a little bit of a deeper look at them, Chris Godwin right now is, again, leading the team in snap percentage. Over the last four games, though, he's had just one uh, single-digit output, which is, which is great, but he hasn't broken 100 yards all season long. You're going to need to him, have him grab a touchdown for you to really make your day. And he's not the touchdown guy. That's Mike Evans, who has 20 red zone targets on the season compared to the number two wide receiver on the team, Chris Godwin, with six. He's got 14 more red zone targets than the number two wide receiving option. The number two option on the team, though, is Gronkowski with 16. So Gronkowski is a nice bet for a touchdown um, in the red zone there for you. But it's still Mike Evans, number one, who in the last three weeks has seen 29 targets and grabbed four touchdowns during that stretch. He hasn't broken 80 yards since week four, but we all know what he's capable of. And Mike Evans would be that number one. With Antonio Brown likely going to be the fourth option there behind Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Rob Gronkowski. Love his upside, but the role on the team is just going to make it difficult to predict his output. Um, I expected to go as planned, as I said earlier. So Antonio Brown there would still be that fourth option, unless he gets some kind of like Tyler Boyd breaks a 71-yard touchdown run out. Um, probably not going to have a crazy day for you. Johnny, the man throwing him the ball is Tom Brady. And we went from thinking that he couldn't be a fantasy quarterback that we'd like this year to he's a great fantasy quarterback to a lot of volatility. I mean, look at him. He's the QB7 in most in most leagues, but then he's QB11 in points per game. So, Johnny, what are, you, what are your thoughts on this? And this looks like a good matchup for Brady to capitalize first week of playoffs. Yeah, you kind of nailed it, right? He's only check this out. He's only put up over 25 fantasy points five times this year, which, uh, you know, 25 fantasy points is kind of like that baseline barometer that we kind of say, all right, that's a pretty, you, you, that's a startable asset right there for, at your quarterback. That's solid production is 25 points, and uh, so yeah, that's talk about the volatility. It, it explains it right there. But you look at this matchup, right? Minnesota giving up the ninth most passing yards to opposing quarterbacks, uh, tied for sixth most passing touchdowns surrendered to opposing quarterbacks as well. And then you look at where you attack this defense. And, and, you know, they've been on national TV a lot. So a lot of people have been able to watch them over the last few weeks. You notice Tom Brady has been just missing on those long bombs. Well, look at this could be a get right spot for that. Minnesota giving up the fifth most in explosive plays so uh i you know to two to what you know my my two colleagues here are saying about the pass catchers i expect tom brady to have a, a really big day today or, or this sunday we look at the running back core i think that's where a lot of the questions are still lying here for the tampa bay offense uh, because ronald jones has has kind of been a thorn in leonard fournette truth or side here he's been the rb11 in standard 
but he's had four monster 100-plus yard games with five total touchdowns. You look at those games have kind of buoyed his value. Uh, he's been a little bit more boom or bust. The question is going to be volume with Ronald Jones. He's had 13 or more carries, uh, but he's, you know, uh, I'm sorry. He's had 13 or more carries. He scored 10 or more fantasy points in all but one the, in one game. So when he gets the carries, that's when we know he's going to do it. But we just don't know when he's going to do it. And in his last six games, he's got three games with nine or fewer carries and three games with 10 or more. So it's really about whatever Bruce Arians is feeling in that moment. You look at Minnesota, uh, they're middle of the road against the run, 17.6 points per game and loud. They've given up a, the 11th most rushing yards, though, and they've just gave up 20 fantasy points to uh, James Robinson. So for me, I think if you're going to trust one, it's Ronald Jones. You're not trusting him too much. It's an RB2, RB3 borderline play. Uh, but I would fade Leonard Fournette. He's only had nine or few. He's had nine or fewer fantasy points in his last four weeks. Um, he hasn't seen more than eight carries since week eight. And even his passing game usage, which we thought was his his staple, it's gone down since they signed AB. Since that signing, he's had one game over three catches. Um, so it just seems like they've phased him out. All the other weapons they're using in the passing game um, have done that uh, or have taken away from him. So for me, Ronald Jones, and I think that's about it in the, in the backfield. The next game on the slate is the Miami Dolphins hosting the Kansas City Chiefs. This is a 49.5 point over under. We've got Miami, or I'm sorry, Kansas City's favored by 7.5 on the road here. Looking at this game, we've got these, um, we've got the, the, the wide receivers, the pass catchers for Kansas City. We know what they are, but Austin, we could see a situation here with, with Tyreek Hill possibly missing. He's, he's ill as we record this, um, and, and what would that mean for him? Uh, I mean, for Mahomes and then the rest of the weapons. Right. So looking at the rest of the weapons outside of Tyreek Hill, there's three wide receivers worth focusing on here. Sammy Watkins, Demarcus Robinson, and Mecole Hardman. Now, the Mecole Hardman, Demarcus Robinson debate has really gone on preseason and early on in the year. and It's kind of been going back and forth. If it's not going to be Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins is out, as he has been the majority of the year, who's it going to be between them? Um, Sammy Watkins is back now, though. And he's only been back for two weeks, but during that stretch, he's seen a 70% or higher snap percentage. And he's led all wide receivers not named Tyreek Hill in targets in both weeks since then and in catches and points combined in that same stretch. So I'm going to feel pretty good about playing Sammy Watkins if Tyreek Hill is down. Um, he's going to be involved more than anybody else will at the wide receiver spot. The question then becomes Demarcus Robinson or Mecole Hardman. Now, Demarcus Robinson has been involved in the field more than Mecole Hardman has, but Mecole Hardman has done a little bit more with the targets that he had. You'd like to see Mecole Hardman getting the snap percentage that Demarcus Robinson is, but then Demarcus Robinson being as efficient with the receptions that he has as Mecole Hardman does. But it's not about what we want. It's about what we're going to get. And I would play Demarcus Robinson over Mecole Hardman this week if I had to make a choice. Nicole Harden is a work in progress. He's going to be a future asset for the Kansas City Chiefs. Demarcus Robinson is the more reliable option right now, though. And going into week 14 of the NFL season, it's not tinker away time. It's look at what we've seen. And Demarcus Robinson would be that more reliable option. But keep in mind, he hasn't broken 50 yards since week eight. Now, neither has Nicole Hardman. Um, and so Sammy Watkins, though, would be that option for me if Tyree Kill does go down. I wouldn't feel great about playing either one of them if I can avoid it. Yeah, I, I would kind of agree with that. I think Tyreek Hill should be okay, but if this is the same bug that CEH has, we're not going to like 
what the results we got out of CEH. Who was active and never played. Right. Such a wild situation there. They said, oh, he should be good to go, and then they gave him zero snaps. Um, Travis Kelsey, just a note here that both he and Tyreek Hill have an opportunity here. DK Metcalf leading the league in receiving yards, but number two, Travis Kelsey. Number three, Tyreek Hill. These guys could both be one and two in receiving yards this year. Just a wild stat that I thought was kind of neat here. Johnny, why don't you talk to us a little bit about the backfield, CEH. Can you even get CEH in your lineup this week? Would you be able to trust that after last week? I mean, yeah, you guys just were talking about it, right? Like, I mean, got you a goose egg. They said he was active and then didn't end up playing any any snaps. Uh, you look at this matchup, uh, bottom 12 and points allowed to the running back position. Haven't given up... Uh, they they give up the fifth most explosive place to the running back. So although they, they're pretty stout, they do tend to give those big explosive plays from time to time. Uh, and it's it's definitely through the running game. It's not through the passing game, whereas Miami has given up only one passing touchdown through the running back position this week. So when I'm looking at this, right, the big question is, can you trust CEH in your lineup? And you look at what Andy Reid said after the game, uh, and I quote, I think you saw where Clyde uh, Edwards-Hilaire dressed out, didn't play, Reed said. He didn't practice this week, and I felt like he lost some weight with some stomach virus, and I pulled him back out. Excuse me. The other guys did a nice job filling in for him, quote-unquote. So, what did you see with CEH out? Well, you saw Le'Veon Bell. He played 52% of the snaps, and he got 15 touches. That's the workload that CEH would normally get. I feel confident as long as you keep this monitored throughout the, the week, of course, I think more news will come out as to whether or not Andy Reid will think he's game ready. Uh, and, and so you'll know more about this. But I do think that if he plays, I think he'll go back to that 52% snap count. Uh, he'll see about 15 touches. And once again, you're hoping for a big play here, but you know, I think he's more of an RB just want to make a quick note on Mahomes. Uh, he's going to be facing this Miami defense. They've been very stingy lately. Uh, you're obviously not benching Patrick Mahomes, but the 31 sacks for Miami, that's 10th most in the NFL. 13 interceptions is 4th most. And they've snuck into the top 8, only allowing 16.1 fantasy points per game to opposing QBs. This is a tough matchup for Mahomes, but this is Patrick Mahomes. So excited to watch that dynamic. Austin, on the other side of the ball, speaking of starting quarterback, we got to start with Tua and Ryan Fitzpatrick. It looks like Tua's good to go. It looks like he's going to be the guy. You interested in Tua at all this week? No, I'm not. And that's because of how well the Miami Dolphins are doing, and they're fighting to keep their current playoff spot. Now, it's important to remember that when Fitzpatrick went down, they were kind of middle of the road. They were still second in the AFC East, but their goal, as they clearly communicated, was to see what they had in Tua to determine what types of moves they needed to make in the offseason. Did they have a franchise quarterback or did they maybe need to make some pivots? And was that hip ailment going to decrease to his ceiling overall and his career as an NFL quarterback? Now, he looks really good. He really does. I got to give credit where credit's due. He's looked efficient. He's looked to be accurate, which was his calling card coming into the league. But the reality is the Miami Dolphins are going to manage his playbook they're going to manage his reps this is not the version of Tua that you want to roll with coming into the playoffs 
Um, it's a more of a football play than it is a fantasy football play. And we know that at any moment in time, the Miami Dolphins could pull Tua out and put Ryan Fitzpatrick in the game. It's wise to just avoid this dynamic if you can. They're fighting for that playoff spot. And it, it I wouldn't even be surprised to see him start running like a two-quarterback system, kind of how Indianapolis has done in certain situations and um, as they continue Honestly, to push with, for that spot. With, that's an interesting thing you brought up. I mean, this is not fantasy-related, re- but... That's an interesting thing you brought up because if you look at the play styles for both Fitzpatrick and Tua, like Tua is your perfect game manager. If you guys are in neutral game script, if you're winning, you keep Tua in. If you're down and you need to sling it, you put Fitzpatrick in, he can bring it back maybe. That would be such an interesting dynamic to see if they, if anybody could pull that off. This kind of seems like the combo that could do it. Austin, I did just want to touch in on Mike Gusecki because he's been kind of a constant upside play at tight end. How are you feeling about Gusecki this week uh, going up against Kansas City? Yeah, Kansas City has let up the 14th fewest points to the tight end position. Don't love that. It's not a crazy tough matchup, but it's no cakewalk either. In the last five weeks, we've seen him put 40 yards or more up in the last four of those five. Um, And last week was his best output on the season. Had 11 targets, caught nine of them for 88 yards, grabbed a touchdown as well. This could indicate a trend. We've known the physical prowess and the upside that Kiseki holds. It's just been more of an opportunity question and making it happen i like where he's headed but i'm not locked in i would want to see a little bit more consistency but hey from a tight end market that's so meh across the board from a touchdown dependent tight end you could do a whole heck of a lot worse than a mike Isecki who comes in with tons of physical upside and there is not another tight end above him should be who should be a real threat one of the biggest threats in the passing game or probably the biggest threat in the passing game for the dolphins is Devontae Parker. Last week, he was a threat on the sidelines, throwing some haymakers. Uh, Johnny, how do you feel about Devontae Parker? It looks like he's going to avoid suspension. Uh, it looks like he should be in this matchup. How do you feel uh, going into this one against Kansas City? Just temper your expectations. I understand if you have to play him, but look, this is a difficult matchup. Bottom five and allowed to the wide receiver is Kansas City allowing. And then you look at the individual matchup, uh, and he's supposed to be against Char- Harvey. Various, Various Ward, if I say that right, I, I apologize if I botch his name and he's listening, uh, but Traverius Ward is only giving up 0.22 fancy points per route ran. That's uh, the one of the lowest on the team. Uh, and look, Parker continues to target, so we always like to go where the targets are, uh, but this is a, definitely a def, uh, difficult matchup. It's more of like a wide receiver flex play this week. Somebody I think you should lock into your lineup, Whisper Nation, is Miles Gaskin. Uh, Miles Gaskin is the RB30, so an RB3, guys, and he's played in only 8 of 12 games. Uh, 18 or more carries in three of, his, uh, of the last three games that he started for Miami. Has double-digit PPR points in all but two games played. He's got four yards per carry or better in all but two games this year. He's just been a stud when he's in there. We've seen whoever's in there gets the lineup. He got back to it last week. Kansas City, this is the way that Miami's going to have to attack Kansas City because they've been, they've been stout through the air. Um, Kansas City giving up 13th most uh, points per game to running backs at 18.7. They average 106 yards per game. That's the sixth highest average to running backs. Um, if Miami wants in, man, they got to give it to Miles Gaskin. I think uh, Whisper Nation can auto start Miles Gaskin this week, in my opinion. Moving on to the Carolina Panthers hosting the Denver Broncos. Carolina fresh off a bye. This is a 46.5 point over under. Carolina favored by 3.5 at home. 
I got to look at the QB and tight end position first, Austin, with you. And Locke, I don't, I don't know about, but Noah Fant seems to be heating up a little bit. Why don't you start with Noah Fant and let me know if you think he's worth it in this matchup. It looks great on paper. Noah Fant, it's again, I hate this same narrative we keep stringing together of the touchdown-dependent tight end, but there are so many of them, and that's why that is the narrative of the 2020 season on the tight end landscape. Noah Fant has been in on like every single series, 70-plus percent snap share since week seven. During that same stretch, we're looking at a pretty healthy target share going his way. If we work backwards from last week, seven, then down with two, but back up with five, seven, three, nine, seven. The man's getting work, but he hasn't during that same stretch broken 60 yards. He hasn't gotten a touchdown to come his way this entire time. So we're looking at a you know, two to seven point type performance in standard or half point where you need a touchdown to get into that double digit territory. Um, He's got two touchdowns on the entire season. Both of those came in the first two weeks. So the real upside is there for Noah Fant. Um, It's just not a reliable playmaker for you. It's not an upper echelon tight end. It's another, it's another good tight end uh, that needs to have a touchdown, but there's no real reason why that shouldn't happen going up against Carolina's 29th ranked pass defense. Yeah, Johnny, that pass defense should be susceptible to maybe these wide receivers. How are you feeling about the the pass catching options outside of Noah Fant for Drew Locke? Uh, I would feel a lot better if Drew Locke were a little bit more accurate. Uh, look, Jerry Judy, he's seeing the targets, man, uh, but just caught 46.3% of his 82 total targets uh, through the 12 games of season. So uh, he's too inconsistent to throw him in there. Tim Patrick, uh, who I mentioned on last week's show, had himself a day. And you look at that kind of rapport that that him and Locke seem to have, and he seems to be fine with inaccuracy because he's catching 40 of 62 targets, so about 65% of his targets uh, for 607 uh, yards in 11 games. So if I had to roll with a wide receiver here, it would be Tim Patrick. But once again, this matchup, uh, not the greatest. Carolina, bottom six in points allowed to the wide receiver position. And they're giving up about one touchdown per game to the opposing wide receiver. So if I were to roll my dice and say who would that be, Tim Patrick. But I don't feel confident. Johnny's lack of confidence in those pass catchers comes from his lack of confidence in Drew Locke. So Austin, I'll ask you, we got any confidence in Drew Locke? You, were, you mentioned the passing defense not being very good. You know, and we have a great part of this time in the year is the amount of data that we have to look at for each player here. And when we look at Drew Locke's season totals, you know, for me, 300 yards and three touchdowns in our six points per passing touchdown is that makes for a 30 point output. And that's a really good mark for a good solid quarterback. 300 yards, Drew Locke's hit that one time all year. Three touchdowns, he's hit that one time all year. Caroline is a middle of the road. Type of defense giving up the 14th most amount of to fourth and most amount of points to the quarterbacking position. So I just think you're going to see more of the same from Drew Locke. That's that middle minus of the road output. Um, he hasn't been accurate, as game time said. He's got some banged up wide receivers. There's a lot of youth on that offensive side of the ball as well. Um, I try to find another option at the quarterbacking position. This is not a hot start this week, Travis. Yeah, I think even with all the bad matchups that some of these streamers have you're not turning to drew lock if you listen to us last week we said you know look fire up melvin gordon in that plus matchup that he had last week he's got another one this week i mean coming off of 15 carries 131 yards 
He's had double-digit carries in four straight. He's now the RB19 in standard, and he's firmly in that RB2 range. Now he's going to get Carolina. Melvin Gordon set to eat here. They are a top-10 matchup to exploit for running backs. 19.6 points per game they've given up to running backs. They average allowing 140 scrimmage yards to RBs this year. So you love to see that if you're a Melvin Gordon uh, GM. And Philip Lindsay, look, I just have to mention here because I think people keep trying to get him in their lineups. He's only had two games all year with more than 10 fantasy points. He hasn't caught a single pass in five straight weeks. No catches in five straight weeks. Uh, one game over 26 rushing yards in his last five. Philip Lindsay is not going to happen, and he's probably not going to be on the uh, Broncos at, at the end of this year, I would imagine. The Carolina Panthers side of the ball. Johnny, I want to ask you about CMC Mike Davis. We thought CMC was set to play. He, you know, Matt or Mark Rule. Is it Matt? It's Matt, Matt Rule, right? Matt Rule. Uh, Matt Rule uh, said earlier this week that CMC was probably going to be. He didn't see a reason why. And then he said he had a setback in his personal warm-up. How do you see this running back uh, situation shaking out? Is CMC going to be back with us this week? I do ultimately think he ends up giving it a go. Uh, and I love this matchup. Denver giving up 100 rushing yards and a touchdown on average per opposing running backs. Uh, it does seem a little bit scarier. You know, you see Denver, you see that they're kind of been more stout lately towards the run but cmc if he if he's active you're getting him in your lineup now if he doesn't go i feel confident in mike davis he is a must roster handcuff to me even if cmc comes back and and they activate him and say he's going to give it a go i would not be cutting mike davis uh because you never know just like her today cmc might have said it um might have hit a setback that could happen at any moment now so uh, look for Mike Davis on your waiver if anyone drops him. I want to talk a little bit about these wide receivers. I'm really excited because we, you know, Austin, you mentioned all the data we have to kind of back us up at, at this point in the year. So I wanted to look at these wide receivers because it's been a hot talking point in fantasy between Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel. If you look at the target market share that's broken down here, 27% of the target market share has gone to Robbie Anderson's way. He's had nine red zone targets. You look at DJ Moore with 22% of the target market share, also nine red zone targets. Um, and then you look at 16% target market share for Curtis Samuel. This is a breakdown where I kind of rank it as this. I think you're, you're going with DJ Moore this week with more confidence. Uh, Double-digit fantasy points in five of his last eight games. He's seen 93 or more receiving yards in those same five of eight games uh, of his last eight. So I really like him in this one. You look at you know uh, Carolina's wide receivers, he's got the most touchdowns. He's got four the fourth most touchdowns. Denver is actually a top-eight matchup against wide receivers, but they're middle of the road in giving up touchdowns to wide receivers. So they give up big plays, and they actually should have been on the hook for that Kansas City one Tyreek Hill last week. But I think DJ Moore is the play here because he's the splash guy. I think he's the guy that's going to get you good yardage and go for the big play. Um, and I think you're going to be more confident with him. I think you can go with Robbie Anderson. He's got that steady floor, seven or more fantasy points in all but one game this year. But he hasn't seen 15 fantasy points. Uh, he's only seen 15 fantasy points in one of his last seven games. So he really doesn't have the ceiling that DJ Moore has, but he is the steady floor. So for me... Loving me some DJ Moore. You can fade Curtis Samuel, in my opinion. I think he's going to get the toughest matchup of all the uh, cornerbacks in Denver, and I just think he just hasn't been what we thought he could be. 
Um, and for me, it's DJ Moore as the one, and then Robbie Anderson as the two. But Austin, I want to talk a little bit about Teddy Bridgewater, the man throwing them the football. Yeah, Travis, and you're talking a lot about those two wide receivers. Great breakdown, by the way. And so much of that output comes from Teddy Bridgewater, who has been a bit more conservative with his approach and has had Robbie Anderson be his top target on shorter routes versus DJ Moore, who does amazing work when you give him deep passes to attack. Just love to see him air it out and and to see what he can do a little bit more on the season. And if they can work on that in the offseason, watch out. DJ Moore is going to be a top five wide receiving option. But until that happens, we got to look at what we're looking at right now, where Teddy Bridgewater is 18.1 points per game on the season. And I expect more of this in week 14, where Denver gives up the 15th most points to quarterbacks. So they're right there in the middle of the road of it. Teddy Bridgewater is a middle-of-the-road quarterback who's got a pretty good floor play moving forward. He's only thrown multiple interceptions this season twice, and those were the same two games that he had as only two single-digit fantasy performances. And Denver is tied for the ninth-fewest amount of interceptions on the year. They don't, they don't catch a ton of interceptions their way. So given that Teddy Bridgewater's only real bad performances have come in multiple INT games, I don't think this projects to be one of those. Which makes him a, you know, if you if you needed a quarterbacking option here, you could do worse than Teddy Bridgewater. But just keep in mind, his ceiling is, uh, it's it's a low rise if you're living in Teddy Bridgewater land. Yeah, I, I like that out, or I like what you said there about Teddy Bridgewater. If they could get him to kind of air it out a little more, I think this offense could take the next step. But we got to remember, like this is the first year for Bridgewater under Matt Rule. Maybe we can get a little bit of more of that in year two. We'll have to see how. And they just had the buy, so maybe some things get tweaked after the buy here. Our next game is the Chicago Bears hosting the Houston Texans. This is a 44 and a half point over under. You've got Houston favored by one point on the road. Johnny, this wide receiving core has been decimated. You know, Will Fuller out with the, uh, you know, juicing scandal or whatever he was doing with uh, that doctor. You have uh, Randall Cobb out. You've got Kenny Stills cut. How do you feel about any of these wide receivers? Because Kiki Cutie uh, was actually one of the bigger ads in fantasy football this week. Yeah, I think that I I like Kiki Cutie's matchup the most out of anyone on this uh, Texans or wide receiver core. Excuse me, uh, he, he should see Buster Skyreen, who has given up point screen. three. Sorry, Buster Screen. Oh, Buster Screen. screen. There, yeah, yeah, there we go. Yeah. There we go. Uh, Buster Screen, who's giving up point three eight fantasy points per route ran, uh, one of the highest uh, according to Pro Football Focus, and then. You know, he saw nine targets in that first game without Will Fuller. Do I think he continues to see 10-plus targets? Uh, maybe not that much, but I, I do think that he could definitely see uh, another good fantasy day. You look at this uh, Chicago defense, fourth-best defense against the wide receiver, uh, and they've only given up ninth, nine passing touchdowns to wide receivers this year, tied for third-best uh, third with Washington. They don't give up many, but I think that Kiki could have like a nice day, uh, you know, between the twenties, racking up those that yardage. Then you look at Brandon Cooks here. I I gotta ask you guys because this is I'm in a little bit of a dilemma on what I should what we should advise here because look at Brandon Cooks. It's a difficult matchup. Should be a matchup against Fuller, uh, who is Chicago's best corner, um, but. Brandon Cooks is an extremely safe floor because since week five, he's only had one game where he had less than 16 yards. So uh, I, I ask you guys, heading into the playoffs, you guys want that solid floor with the potential upside that 
maybe Fuller, uh, maybe Cooks could see a touchdown and score a touchdown Kyle Fuller or say, no, I need more upside. I think it just depends, like, right on, on what you're going on with your matchup, your opponent. If you see your opponent, you know, we know projections are mostly BS, but sometimes you're projected to lose by 20 or so. And that kind of gives you pause to say, okay, like, their team should hit. And then you may be looking at a guy, uh, you know, that has more upside than Brandon Cooks. But if you need the points and you're in, in the flex, I would say uh, Brandon Cooks is a fine play. Um, but he doesn't get much better than a flex for me at this point. I do think he has higher than flex ceiling appeal with it. We know Brandon Cooks has a low-key kind of high ceiling. Like The dude always breaks 1,000 yards. Back in week five, we saw him break 161 yards and get a touchdown to have a 26-point week performance. He can do it. Um, his body is still there enough. He's not who he was when he was 22 with Aaron Rodgers. But Brandon Cooks, as the lead dog, if he gets those opportunities and has a decent day, he could he could be in for a monster spot. This is still the Houston Texans led by Deshaun Watson of crazy wide receivers gone down. And Brandon Cooks hasn't really gotten to flex. So I don't I don't I don't think I'd put the chances of him breaking out like at 40% for me personally, but just to know it's there. Like I'm not surprised if he does something crazy during this playoff stretch. You mentioned being there. David Johnson's there now, Austin. He's back in the lineup, and even in a tough matchup last week, he, he saved his day with a touchdown, wasn't very efficient. And but You like yeah. him in this matchup against Chicago. I do, because that while that touchdown, those six points sure are nice, what I thought was even nicer was his 4.4 yards per carry, the third best game for him on the season from that yards per carry perspective, going up against a very respectable Indianapolis defense. Now, the Bears have given up the 10th fewest points to running backs. It's not a smash spot. But honestly, I'm not overly concerned about David Johnson's output nor role, given the comments Romeo Cremel made where he said, you know, he had a couple of nice runs referring to that Indianapolis game. And I think that next week, he'll probably have more snaps than he did this week. Uh, in addition to snagging double-digit carries this week for Chicago, I expect Johnson to become an even more involved in the passing game. As we know, in the past few weeks, the Texans have waived Kevin Stills. They lost Will Fuller to suspension and Randall Cobb as well as dealing with that toe issue, as we mentioned. So Deshaun Watson, we just talked about Randall, or excuse me, Brandon Cooks, about how much more of an opportunity he could have because of those banged up wide receivers. David Johnson, former AP wide receiver of the year. You expect to get involved more from the passing perspective to where last week Duke Johnson did have six catches. He caught them all for 24 yards. I expect you to cut those passing targets in half for Duke Johnson as we get David Johnson more involved in the offense. Just wanted to make a note on Deshaun Watson. He's going to get another bad matchup here against Chicago. Their bottom 10 and pass or points allowed, to, excuse me, to the quarterback was 16.9. But you look at what Watson was able to do last week without Fuller, without Stills, without Cobb, against a tough indie defense, still 19 fantasy points. Uh, the first game all season, though, without a passing touchdown. He ran for a touchdown. He's got 34 or 35 or more rushing yards in five of his last six games. The floor is there. Like, that's going to get it done for you with Watson. But the, here's another reason for confidence. Chicago's given up seven touchdowns over their last two weeks to Aaron Rodgers and Matt Stafford. So there is room here to have uh, Chicago if you're an elite quarterback. And I consider Deshaun Watson an elite quarterback, thrower of the football. Yes, his weapons are a little decimated, but I'm feeling good about Deshaun Watson this week, even in the tough matchup. I just love that trust. Elite quarterback, thrower of the football. Yeah. Deshaun well, to, of House Watson. Well, I just hey. I have to preface that because I didn't want to call Matt Stafford elite. And, but uh, I yeah. do think he's an elite thrower of the football. I think that he's got great juice on his on his uh No man, I loved it. Yeah, I think that's the way to, to go thrower of the football. Breaker of of cornerback hearts 
uh, Deshaun Watson. Loser of fantasy games. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully not this week. For some, hopefully not this week. Uh, the Chicago side of the ball, Johnny. Uh, <laughs> I want you to face the music on Mitch Trubisky, man. You told a lot of people about Mitch Trubisky last week. I got to bring you under the fire here, dude. You were you were hyping up your boy last week. I was not hyping up Mitch Trubisky last week. What are you saying? I no. you said he was the stream last week. Yeah. <laughs> You said he had Detroit's number. That's what you told me. Yeah. No, that was two weeks ago. <laughs> they played Detroit last week, buddy. Unreal. Anyway, uh, <laughs> here's the th- that that yeah. I'm 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 losing track of which which weeks are which. That, that's what I'm saying here. You, it looks like a great matchup on play on paper, but just stay out of the flames, man. Mitch Trubisky just disappointing. Last two flames of a burning plane. Yeah, don't even don't even think about it. Don't even don't even tempt yourself. Don't listen to a guy uh, on the other side of a mic with a backwards hat on telling you to play Mitch Trubisky against Detroit. What a shame. <laughs> well, that means we got to talk about his passing. Uh, you know, those pass catchers, uh, Austin, and that includes you know these tight ends. But really, Allen Robinson uh, is the yeah. man. Is there anything else underneath the surface here that we're looking at? No, you know, Allen Robinson, we're locking him in 70 plus yards in all but three games. Um, His lowest target output was four targets this season, to which he caught all of them for 70 yards. They're going to be force feeding Allen Robinson. He's really, really good. He can keep up with the best of cornerbacks. He's locked in. The next question, though, is Darnell Mooney and Anthony Miller. Now, we know with Darnell Mooney, the speed is there, but the man hasn't broken 50 yards all season. He's got just two touchdowns on the year. He cannot be trusted as can Mitch Trubisky not be trusted. And Anthony Miller is the the man's third wide receiving option. I'm not even trusting his second wide receiving option. I'm definitely not trusting Anthony Miller for me, Travis. It's Allen Robinson, and and that's about it for the pass catchers. Jimmy Graham had some streaming relevance earlier in the year. It looks like after um, uh, Matt Nagy said they wanted to get Cole Komet involved, they have. Anything here with Cole Komet? Yeah, uh, you look at what Houston has done over this entire year. Austin had made a great point, and he's like, a lot of these guys are touchdown dependent tight ends. Well, that's exactly what Cole Clement has is. You know, he, unless he scored a touchdown, they will majorly disappoint. And then you look at Houston and how many passing touchdowns have they given up all year? Well, only four. So not good odds to score a touchdown uh, for Cole Clement. So uh, not a good stream. Loving uh, David Montgomery's matchup this week. David Montgomery is facing a Houston team. Six different running backs have rushed for 100-plus yards against Houston. Ten different running backs have posted at least 100 all-purpose yards against Houston. You look at David Montgomery over the last two matchups. He's had Green Bay and Detroit. He's averaging 6.8 yards per carry in those two weeks, has four or more catches in five of his last seven games and over 250 all-purpose yards in these last two games and these smash spots, back-to-back weeks with 20 fantasy points. I'm loving David Montgomery this week, and I know people are going to be interested in Corderell Patterson at 10 carries for 59 yards and a touchdown last week. Really think he's the change-of-pace guy. Uh, even in a great matchup, I'm not going to chase the points with Corderell Patterson. That was his first game over 30 rushing yards all year. So give me David Montgomery and pretty much nothing else. Uh, uh, in that running back room. The Giants are hosting the Cardinals. This is a 45.5 point over under. The Cardinals favored by just one point on the road. We got to start here with the running back core, Johnny, because Drake had come back from injury, looked pretty strong, at least in volume-wise, and then has put up some games that have been a little shaky. How are you feeling in this particular matchup? Because 
The Giants have been stout. That defense is coming in pretty hot. I, to be honest with you, I've been, and you know, Whisper Nation knows I've been uh, full aboard the Drake bandwagon this this year. I've told I've told you to continuously start him and have confidence in him. I am concerned though on this uh, matchup this week. On paper, you know, New York Giants, it, it does look to be an easier matchup. However, the Giants have been surging uh, as of late. They've got the sixth best rushing defense coming into Week 14. Uh, they they only allow about 18.6 fantasy points to opposing running backs uh, this year. I am concerned that you could see more split carries if Daniel Jones does end up playing in this game and it becomes more of a shootout. Then, you know, you look at what the Giants defense does uh, just in running backs in general, and they tend to give up more to the pass catching running backs. And we've seen Chase Edmonds be that uh, for the Arizona Cardinals in in negative game script. Uh, we've seen Kenyon Drake not really get a whole lot of targets out of the backfield. Uh, so ever since coming back, uh, he's seen five targets per game, uh, back-to-back games with six rushing attempts. So I do think that uh, they are going to you know, cap each other this week, and that's my concern. So temper expectations maybe on Kenyon Drake, Chase yeah. Edmonds, but also maybe temper expectations on Kyler Murray. And I know that's not exactly what we want to hear. This is a guy that was reaching for the ceiling here. Um, but heading into week 11, Murray had four games or in a row of 30 or more points. In his last three weeks, he scored 24, 7 points, and 22 points. Uh, no rushing touchdown over his last three. He hasn't thrown for 300 yards in four straight games. Then you look at the Giants that we, you know, we've talked about. Sneakily, they've become a top six D against fantasy quarterbacks. 15.5 points per game allowed. Uh, just put the clamps on Russell Wilson. Uh, he had 27 of 43 passing, 263 yards, only one touchdown, but one pick and one fumble, and only 17 fantasy points. Look, Kyler's rushing upside. He's probably due for a rushing touchdown in this game, given that he hasn't gotten one in the last three weeks. So that 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 alone keeps him in your lineup. But I would just say temper expectations. And expectations haven't been high outside of DeAndre Hopkins in the passing core, or they have been high, I should say, but they haven't really met expectations, have they, Austin, for wide receivers not named DeAndre Hopkins? No, and if you get DeAndre Hopkins in the second round of your draft, congratulations. It's a fun piece to have on your roster. But outside of DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk was the name that so many folks were excited for coming into the season. And he's given you games here and there to be excited about. But we're talking about confidence. We're talking about consistency here. And I don't have either one of those when I'm looking at Christian Kirk. No, Not a lot of confidence, not a lot of consistency either. Despite Christian Kirk's increase in snap percentage and role on the offense we're seeing his productivity get smaller and smaller last week was actually his most time spent on the field all season long he had a 94 percent snap percentage but three targets came his way he caught just one of them for two yards so you hear me say sometimes with, t- with tight ends it's a touchdown dependent tight end christian kirk is kind of turning into that big play dependent wide receiver for me and that's really outside of kirk too andy isabella would fall in the same camp for me. It's a big play dependent wide receiver. Christian Kirk and Izzy, Andy Isabella both have the play style and the raw attributes to be able to grab you a big play, but you can't count on that and you're going to need it if you want to have a good fantasy day. So from the Arizona Cardinals wide receiving core, let's jump to the Giants side of the ball and their wide receiving core, Johnny, because Shepard is a guy that we probably could trust, you know, most of this year out of that wide receiving core, but 
does Colt McCoy sink his value? Are you trusting him? And, and do we see Daniel Jones, Jones back? Do we see Colt McCoy in there? And what does that mean for the wide receivers? If Colt McCoy is, is the quarterback and does end up, uh, you know, starting in this game, then I would completely look elsewhere. Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, and Golden Tate. I would look in a different direction just because the consistency is not there. The upside is not there with Colt McCoy. Uh, he's more of a game manager. Now, if Danny Dimes is the quarterback, um, here's the interesting thing. The Cardinals do give up some points to the wide receiver had uh, their top half in points allowed to the wide receiver position. Sterling Shepard would be the guy that I would more so be keying in on here. Um, now, Pro Football Focus ex does not expect Patrick Peterson to be guarding Sterling Shepard the vast majority of the game, um, but I don't see that. Uh, you know, Patrick Peterson giving up 0.2 fantasy points per route ran. That's pretty. That's you know not not terrible, not great. Uh, it's about average. So if Danny Dimes is the quarterback, I could see, uh, you know, a, a scenario where you're throwing him more as an, a wide receiver three flex play, uh, limited upside in my opinion, uh, and I would just stay away from Slayton. He hasn't seen, he's seen two or few targets in three out of four games. Uh, I'm not looking. Danny Dimes maybe relegated more to Danny Pennies. Uh, Austin, do you have any like? sense of if he's going to play this week what have you read you know from joe judge this week how, how do you feel about danny dimes i'm not feeling great about danny dimes even if he is active we heard uh head coach judge say that he wants jones to sidestep and step up when pressured in the pocket and avoid getting hurt worse now to me this sounds like we're revisiting the fundamentals of playing quarterback and i do not want to have a quarterback that's revisiting the fundamentals week one of my fantasy playoffs. If you can find another quarterback option who's maybe a little bit more progressed through the basics and has a little bit more confidence in that regard from his head coach, I'd, I'd encourage that line of thinking. Um, and Colt McCoy, you know, if he starts, they're going to be limiting his opportunities. They're not looking to have this man let it loose. Find a quarterback outside of the New York football giants for week 14. Yeah, we've talked about how he affects the pass catchers as far as wide receivers. Austin, can you walk me through what it would mean for Evan Ingram with or without Daniel Jones? Evan Ingram does have a bright spot, and I would continue to start Evan Ingram at my tight end position regardless of the quarterback, and that's because of the solidified role Evan Ingram has in the pass-catching options there for the New York football Giants. In the last two weeks, he's had 17 targets, and even with Colt McCoy starting and behind center, he had eight targets that came his way. He caught four of them. Obviously, Evan Ingram's ceiling is going to come down, but because of the role Evan Ingram enjoys for the team, I'm feeling confident still about where you can uh, you, you start him away. And the other cool thing about Evan Ingram is when you take a deeper dive and look at where his points come from, 81% of them come, through, come from air yards. Um, he catches uh, a ton of yards racked up, not as much through the touchdown. And you hear me say all the time, it's a touchdown-dependent tight end. Evan Ingram's actually not. He gets most of his points through receiving yards um, of any tight end in the top 24. So you're feeling pretty good about his role on the offense, even with Colt McCoy behind center, Travis. You could call any part of this offense the bread and butter. I actually think it's the running game. Wayne Gallman, since taking over the job for Saquon Barkley and Devonta Freeman, six straight games of 10 or more carries, 12 or more fantasy points in every single game, six touchdowns in as many games, and has rocketed it up to RB25 and standard. 
Only started playing meaningful snaps in week seven, and he's an RB2 this year. So I, I think just for context, people need to realize that Wayne Gallman probably belongs in your lineup. Um, and, and then you look at the matchup itself. You know, Arizona, 18.9 points per game allowed this season. That's 11th most. They give up 131 scrimmage yards on average to running backs this year. I think Wayne Gallman is pretty much a must start, um, and he has been. We've been teetering around it as an industry, saying maybe we should, maybe we shouldn't. I mean, I listed it all there for you. It's all in the writing. Like, you got to go with Gallman at this point. And I know Alfred Morris stole a couple touchdowns last week. I imagine that'll get right because he could have had eight touchdowns in six games. I mean, that would have been something way higher than an RB2. All right, our next game on the slate. This is going to be a real barn burner. Uh, 44.5 point over under when Cincinnati takes on Dallas. They'll be hosting him over there in Ohio. Dallas favored by 3.5 on the road. I want to start with Zeke because, Johnny, he's been dealing with a calf injury, and now Tony Pollard became one of the bigger waiver wire ads this week. How are you feeling about this running game? This is a nice matchup on paper. Cincinnati allowing the 11th most fantasy points to opposing running backs, and they're allowing over 115 rushing yards per game and allowed seven rushing touchdowns to uh, opposing running backs. So we talked about Ezekiel, his struggles without Dak and getting into the end zone. This could be a get-right game if he plays. Now, that's the big thing. He uh, came out, he has a calf injury. Calf injuries are never a good thing uh, because never really grade the severity of it right it could seem like it's uh you know good to go and then you're warming up and tweak it and you're out um i ultimately you know i've been doing some research on this i i don't know if he goes i honestly don't know if he goes i think it's truly a 50 50 shot uh whether or not he plays this weekend and if he doesn't then yes i'm i'm putting in tony pollard i think this is a great matchup and if zeke ends up going I got to ask you guys, would you put the dice on a, a calf? He will not practice this whole week. That's what we do know. It's very, it will be very telling if he does get any limited reps, but he's not expected to practice. So with the fantasy playoffs on the line, would you roll out Zeke Elliott in this matchup? I like the opportunity and I like the position it creates for Zeke to say, look, I'm still Ezekiel Elliott. And you're kind of coming to the end of the year. Dallas knows they're not making the playoffs. Well, it is that division. So you never really know what they're saying. But there is some reasons for him, in my opinion, to go hard these last couple of games because of how the conversation around the man's reputation has shifted. And if there was a chance to get right, Cincinnati presents a pretty good one coming in with that 31 rank rush defense. Yeah, I think I think at this point, if Zeke's going, he's probably going right. Like if he's going to play, they're probably going to give him enough work to make him, you know, worth it to to Austin's point there. So I, I would probably trust him there. Austin, I wanted to pitch it over to you on Andy Dalton, uh, because it looks like he actually is set up in a nice revenge game, uh, you know, against a, a secondary that's been susceptible at times. Any ch way, chance or form that you're going to you're going to stream him this week. OK, is he a streamable option? I think you can make a case that yes, he is. But my real question is what situation are you in where you're considering starting Andy Dalton in week one of the playoffs? This is I a weird week, right? Because like you're looking at some of these guys with matchups, Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, um, a lot of these guys with tough matchups that, yeah. you know, I wrote about Philip Rivers being an option this week. You know, mm -hmm. like 
It's just it's a situation where maybe you are looking to stream outside of the box because of some of the tougher matchups. Now, if that's the case, and you, I think you did a great job there of naming some of the quarterbacks that if you've been on a streaming train this season have graced your roster. Philip Rivers has been really consistent over the last several weeks. Um, concerned with Jacoby Brissett getting involved and taking maybe some of those rushing opportunities away. Derek Carr, we know, has been up and down, just got destroyed against Atlanta, but then had such a smash game last week was the QB1. And Andy Dalton really does fall into that category. The last three starts, he's averaging two touchdowns, 234 yards and one interception. It's not great, but given that they're going up against one of the bottom feeder defenses here, 28th ranked pass defense in Cincinnati, Travis, you mentioned it here, it is a revenge game. Um, I'm all right with an improving Andy Dalton considering the plethora of weapons the Dallas Cowboys have. I don't hate this start, but again, if it would really come down to a who should I start, a Phillip Rivers or an Andy Dalton, a Derek Carr or an Andy Dalton, and if you've gotten yourself to this level week one of the playoffs and you're still streaming a quarterback, yeah, that would be it, but you, I wouldn't get cute on this one. Don't, don't go ahead and bench a, a startable guy because like a Russell Wilson who's had a couple of bad weeks or something like that, or a Lamar Jackson who's been kind of up and down, like... No, start those guys. Let's not let's not say that Andy Hot Dalton is the new hotness. Johnny, Andy Dalton or Derek Carr? I think I'm going to still go with Derek Carr. I think he still has a higher upside. And his QB yeah. numbers have looked really good from an NFL perspective. Yeah, I think if you're going to bet on somebody to overdo a, a matchup, Derek Carr is a nice bet to do that. He's got the weapons, at least, and some of the repertoire. I want to talk a little bit about the renaissance of the Cowboys wide receivers uh, under Andy Dalton. So we've seen Dalton under center now for three straight games. 25% market share for Cooper, 25% market share for Gallup, 23% market share for CeeDee Lamb. So there's a world where you're starting, you know, maybe you're not starting all three in your lineup, but if you have these guys, you're looking at starting them because he's consistently got them looks. Um, we'll start with Amari Cooper. He's had seven or more targets in every game with Andy Dalton, double-digit fantasy points in every game without Dak. Um, that's except for one, and he's a steady uh, floor-wide receiver, too. Uh, Cincinnati allowing 23.7 fantasy points per game, and they've given up the fourth-most touchdowns to wide receivers with 14 this season. Uh, so I, I really like Cooper. He's probably the one I'm most confident in of the lineup. And then I'm really split on CeeDee Lamb, and I'll list some of this and maybe ask you guys, but CeeDee Lamb's been more of a boom-bust wide receiver three with Dalton. He hasn't seen over nine targets in three straight games, but he hasn't seen less than six. So he's got some consistency there, but only two touchdowns uh, has he snagged since Dak's been injured, and he hasn't eclipsed 75 yards since week five. You look at Michael Gallup, uh, 19 targets over his last two games, starting to really heat up with Dalton, 13 catches for 127 yards and a touchdown in those games. He's averaging 11.2 yards per reception with Dalton in the lineup. Guys, I think I'm really going to go with Gallup over CeeDee Lamb here. I don't know if anybody else could uh, make a case for CeeDee Lamb. I, I know he's exciting, and I know he makes plays, but I really like Gallup over Lamb. Now I want to make a case for Gallup, man. CeeDee Lamb is the new new. Is the new, new. He's looking great. Johnny's been on point talking about CeeDee Lamb going back to college. He's going to have a great NFL career. But Michael Gallup is no slouch. This is another first-round drafted wide receiver who you remember, Mike McCarthy, who is a Super Bowl-winning head coach, said Michael Gallup is a wide receiver one. Mari Cooper is our wide receiver one, but Michael Gallup is a wide receiver one. So we've got to put a little bit more respect on the man's name. He had a slow start to the year, but I think these numbers you're seeing now are more reflective of his true skill set and talent, and they're not so much a fluke popping off or some outlier. 
Just want to quickly add Dalton Schultz, seven or more fantasy points in PPR over his last five games, four or more catches in five straight. He's going to get a top three matchup against Cincinnati, 10.5 points per game allowed. They've also allowed seven tight end touchdowns on the year, so I like that. Johnny, we go to the uh, Cincinnati side of the ball. <laughs> what are we going to do here uh, with these wide receivers? Is there anything here that you can you can look to start? Uh, I know that I'm certainly sorry. I'm not interested I'm so- in... Uh, not the wide receivers. Uh, I'm sorry, the running backs. Anything you want to do with these running backs here? Uh, n- no. I'm uh, not even that. Oh not, even, not even I'm the sorry. running backs. I, Jack, I, this whole <laughs> it's okay. I, I, I can handle it. Uh, look, the quarterback position is so bad that in, in Brandon Allen that I, I'm not looking to, to start really anybody on this. I don't feel confident in going into my week 14 matchup, week one of the playoffs, starting anyone. Austin, I'll ask you about the wide receivers, given what Johnny just said about the quarterback position. Anything that you're confident about in the wide receiving core at all? You know what, man? Every time I start asking myself this question, I find myself responding like like a proud mom who's just wanting to see her kids do the best they can and is maybe expecting a little more out of them than they're really capable of. You know, I'm looking over here at Tyler Boyd and I'm saying, you know, even with Brandon Allen over there, the man's gotten 10 targets the last couple of weeks. And it's like, yeah, but in week 12, he had six targets, caught three of them for 15 yards, you know? And like last week, oh, he had four targets, you know, he got ejected. It's like, yeah, I was late in the second half. And he made his whole day off of that 172 yard reception pretty much on that one touchdown. So I go over then to, you know, that's Tyler Boyd. And I look over at T. Higgins, who, you know, it's great to see him still so heavily involved. I think it's a testament to how skilled T. Higgins, the rookie, really is. But his numbers are nothing to get excited about either. Heavily involved, five targets week 12, eight targets last week against Miami. He had 56 yards, which isn't bad. And that's when I feel myself being like this proud mom. I'm like, there you go, five for eight, 56 yards. There we go, T. Higgins. But it's like, is that going to win you a game? You know, that's 8.1 points and half point PPR. You're not stoked on that. Um, there's no way you can bank on this team collecting first downs. Uh, I would avoid any pass catchers out of the Bengals if I can avoid it, Travis. If you can't, Boyd and Higgins are both still there. AJ Green's that third option. I'd fade on that one as fast as I can. But um, it's just really tough to trust a quarterback we've seen such a small sample size and who was a backup quarterback on a not so good team as is. Yeah, I think it's fair to fade. I mean, even in this great matchup, it's fair to fade every Bengal except for Giovanni Bernard. For me, I'm going to roll with Bernard. I know he's had four straight weeks under 10 fantasy points, 12 or fewer carries in the same four games. He hasn't eclipsed 60 yards in that span. Um, you know, I'm, I'm setting up the eight-mile defense here. I'm going to say everything you know that's bad about him, but I think at the other side of this, you look at the defenses he's played, Pittsburgh, Washington, the Giants, Miami. These are tough squads that Cincinnati's gone up against. You look at what he's going up against now. I mean, this is the one team this year that's given up 300 rushing yards to two different teams, uh, has Dallas. Second most rushing yards given up this year, 13 rushing touchdowns. That's the fourth most, and 22 points per game given up to the position. I think Bernard is a safe play this week. I know it's it looks a little bit di- dirty on paper, but I would fire up Bernard this week, and, and you could be pretty confident in it. The next game on the slate, one of my favorite games, uh, uh, matchups this week, should be a good one. It's got a high over-under. The Las Vegas Raiders in that new stadium are going to host the Indianapolis Colts. This is a 51.5 over-under. Indy favored by two and a half, just under a field goal at home. 
we look at what's going on with the wide receivers in Indianapolis, Austin, I wanted to ask you what you think because T.Y. Hilton's starting to warm up. It's hard not to take a blow-up game like T.Y. Hilton had last week against Houston where he had 11 targets, caught eight of them for 110 yards and a touchdown. Great, great output in standard, PPR formats, whatever you have. You know, normally when you look at these games that stand out so much like this one did, he hasn't had a great season, T.Y. Hilton, but we do know this is a very, very skilled wide receiver. Andrew Luck called him the most talented football player that he's ever played with, and he's playing with Phillip Rivers for the first time. And it does take some time for wide receivers and quarterbacks to, de to develop chemistry with one another. So when I look at T.Y. Hilton's performance last week, and you go even one week before that, in week 12 against Tennessee, he had 81 yards and another touchdown there. Both of these two games were his top two weeks on the season. Um, you know, is it a fluke? Is it a trend? I think there are reasons to think that this is a trend. Um, Indianapolis and Phillip Rivers, they've been playing pretty well. T.Y. Hilton, I'd say, is still their most talented wide receiver. Um, their last couple of weeks has looked really good. When we move outside of that, though, there's just not enough consistency or recency for me to get behind what's going on. Um, I'd be curious if game time had anything to add to Michael Pittman, who has been such a great rookie for the Colts this season, but the last couple of weeks, you know, 46 yards last week, 28 yards before that, 66 yards the week before that. He only has one game this season over 100 yards. He only has one score on the season, and it came in that same game. He got that, or excuse me, different game, but just one score on the year, just one game breaking 100 yards. And Zach Pascal, uh, he hasn't broken 60 yards all season either. So for me, it's T.Y. Hilton in this one or not at all. But I think that T.Y. Hilton this week going up against, um, Las Vegas this week is going to be a is going to be a decent matchup given they they're the 25th ranked pass defense in the NFL Travis so uh, feel good about Ty Hilton I feel I'm all right with that one. yeah I know it's a weird time of year to be kind finally gaining confidence in him you don't want to like trust it all here but I do think that he's a hot ad if he was dropped in your league and I do think he's a great start this week um, but I want to talk about this running back core Johnny because that's where a lot of questions are going to come in this week Jonathan Taylor. Had a breakout game against Green Bay about two, two, three weeks ago. Then he went on the COVID list, close contact list. Then he came back and really didn't have a high usage, but did a lot with his usage last week. So the question will be Naheem Hines versus Jonathan Taylor. Can you trust Jonathan Taylor as an RB2 or better this week? This is a great matchup. How do you see the running back core shaking out this week? I think that you can fire Jonathan Taylor up as an RB1 this week. I'm that confident that what we saw in the breakout game is here to stay uh, and then look at what happened coming off the vid list uh, he saw 17 total touches and he played on a team high 48 percent of snaps uh, and then yeah the big concern is Naheem Hines what is he gonna do how is he gonna affect Jonathan Taylor well he only got 32 percent of snaps and he only got nine total touches now you look at this game script I do think that it will be in the favor of Indianapolis and so I do think that they'll be running at this defense, uh, which is where you attack them mostly. Top four in points allowed to the running back position. Uh, they've given up the third most touchdowns, four, uh, 14, uh, to opposing running backs on the ground. And they've only given up two through the air. So all the arrows indicate to me that Jonathan Taylor should have a very, very juicy day uh, for your week one playoff matchup. I would get him in my lineup. EPR. Maybe dual flex league. How are you feeling about Naheem Hines? I think he's more, there's always the upside, right? Because he's so elusive and, and they do uh, give him some goal line carries, although he's not the initial goal line back. 
And so, yeah, if you need a higher upside flex play at the running back position, I think Naheem Hines, you can throw him in there uh, because the matchup's so good. All right, I'm going to put my Austin hat on here and make a case for maybe streaming Phillip Rivers. I don't know, but he's got three straight games of two or more passing touchdowns, 285 or more passing yards in four straight, three straight weeks of 20 or more fantasy points. And then he's got Las Vegas right here. It's a top 10 matchup to exploit, 19.3 fantasy points per game. They've also allowed, on average, 1.5 touchdowns to QBs per game. So the minute you start him in the fantasy playoffs, he'll obviously let you down. So I would just avoid it. But I think, you know, desperate times, maybe two QB league, he's definitely worth a start there. I just wanted to make a note. We've talked about Trey Burton in the past, even Mo Cox. Uh, I wouldn't start any of these tight ends. The usage has just become too sporadic. You can't really nail it down. Uh, so I would just I would just avoid that if possible. Look at the Las Vegas side of the ball, Johnny. You have a case to make that Darren Waller could have a, a dud game here. And, and uh, this is coming off a monster game last week against the Jets. Yeah, a lot of people are going to call me crazy. This could be, you know, the, the piece that we pop out and it makes me look like a genius or makes <laughs> me look like a straight-up idiot uh, telling you to bench Darren Waller the first week of the playoffs. But hear me out, all right? Indianapolis is uh, allowing the fewest points to opposing tight ends. Third fewest yards, two tight ends, and they've only allowed one passing touchdown all year to opposing tight ends. So that's just the matchup. You don't like it. Obviously, Darren Waller, he gets the vast majority of the passing work for uh, Las Vegas. Well, uh, since week six, this is the other thing that goes in hand. Sometimes it's just too much of a coincidence how it works out like this, but you follow ex do facto connect to dotso. That's the famous saying that I like to go with. And here we are. Check this out. Since the bye in week six for Darren Waller, he had a blow up game against Tampa Bay at 14 fantasy points. That's great. His very next one, 5.2. The next week after that, blow up game over 10 fantasy points. The following week after that, another disappointing game at 5.2. Again, this this happens, alternates for the next few weeks. And guess what just happened last week against the Jets? Goes off for a mega day, 38 over 38 fantasy points in half PPR, has a mega day. I'm doubling down. I'm putting all my chips down. I'm saying Darren Waller will disappoint a lot of fantasy owners this week. He is not a good start. Yeah, and I don't I don't blame you for saying that. It would be hard for me to bench Darren Waller if I had him, of course, but I think you can definitely temper expectations here. We look at the wide receiving core for the Raiders, and I'm not feeling much more confident either. India, bottom 10 unit against the tight end, only allowing 22.2 fantasy points per game. I think if you're going to start any of these guys, you got Henry Ruggs, Hunter Renfro, you know, Nelson Aguilar. The one I'm maybe the most confident in, and this is not a lot of confidence, would be Nelson Aguilar. Um, and that's because the targets, uh, he's got 26 over his last three. They're there, but he hasn't broken 90 yards in any of those games. The The point is, is he's going to face Rocky Sin, uh, the cornerback, the uh, rookie cornerback for Indy, who's giving up 1.86 yards per route run. I just don't have a lot of trust in Aguilar, but I think if you had to start one of these wide receivers, that would be the one for me. Um, but I want to talk about the running game because we know that John Gruden loves that running game. Uh, I don't know who did. I don't know who did this. I'll talk about the run game. Yeah, Austin, did you want to pick up the running game here? Yeah, absolutely. So we know that John Gruden wants to attack 
pretty much every week on the ground and this week against the Indianapolis Colts. I don't think that's going to be any exception. Devontae Booker is going to continue to lead the way. Josh Jacobs is looking like he's going to be out again. Um, Devontae Booker, while last week was just 16 rush attempts and 50 yards on those, it's a good opportunity week, but wasn't a great output week. And that's kind of what you just got to expect with Devontae Booker and this rushing attack moving forward. He's going to get the opportunities. Like, I'd be shocked to see Devontae Booker get less than 13 touches. Um, It's really going to depend on if he breaks one out or if he gets in the end zone. You don't really need to worry too much about Jalen Richard back there. Uh, He's going to catch some passes. He's going to spell. Uh, He might be in on the two-minute offense. But Devontae Booker is really going to be that one and only halfback for the Raiders this week. And don't be nervous by his 50 yards on the ground. If there is a place to attack the Colts, like we said, it's going to be on the ground, and that's what they're at least going to be giving Devontae Booker the opportunity to. And I think he's got the skills to make make something of it this week. It's not a great start, but um, you can certainly, certainly do worse. All right, we've hinted at Derek Carr this entire show. How confident are you in Derek Carr? This is a tough game. What are you seeing here, Austin, in that matchup? Well, you know, again, if it goes the way that Gruden wants it to go, I don't think Derek Carr is going to have a great week. They want to attack Indianapolis on the ground. If there is a weakness in that defense, that's where you're going to find it. Now, it would be hard under given that Derek Carr was the number one quarterback in the NFL last week, bounced back big after a very disappointing matchup against Atlanta, the number one uh, loose passing defense in the NFL. And, you know, then against the Jets, we saw him go 381 yards, three touchdowns, just one interception. Um, But I would say that one touchdown at the end might have been kind of on purpose if you were the New York Jets. But the thing about Derek Carr is that he's got he's he's top five in the NFL in deep passing percentages. He's top five in the NFL when the pocket is kept clean. He's top 10 in adjusted completion percentage. The area that you got to get concerned is under pressure where he falls out of that top five, out of that top 10, to the number 19 quarterback on the year with a quarterback ranking of 65.1. That's just ahead of Teddy Bridgewater there uh, in terms of under pressure quarterback ranking. And the Indianapolis Colts, they're not a ferocious pass rush, but they come in as the number 15 on sacks on the year. Um, So it's it's not a gimme. Um, But uh, I'm not really feeling great about this. John Gruden doesn't want this to be a passing game. The makeup of it doesn't look to be a passing game. But Derek Carr certainly has the chops that if they do get behind, Derek Carr can air it out to some of his speedy wide receivers and use that skill set that he's got to get you fantasy points. Speaking of skilled wide receivers, we're going to move on to the next game where the Seattle Seahawks host the New York football Jets. This is a 47.5 over under with Seattle, a massive favorite at 13.5 points over the New York Jets, which, of course, we understand why. The Jets are terrible at football. I want to start with the Jets wide receivers, not as talented as the Seattle's wide receivers, obviously. But, Johnny, I want you to let me know if, you know, I I was actually looking at Jamison Crowder this week in our Dynasty League because, you know, with Sam Darnold under center, maybe you can trust Jamison Crowder. How are you feeling about uh, the, the, the wide receiver core over there? Yeah, Denzel Mims ruled out with a family emergency, so he won't be playing this week. And then even if he were to you know, fly back before this Sunday's game. He still has to quarantine uh, and do that standard protocol. So he definitely will miss this week's game. So that leads us to Brashad Perriman and Jamison Crowder. It must mean everyone get on the Jamison Crowder bandwagon because we know that Seattle gives up the most yards to opposing wide receivers. 
but they do tend to be a little bit stout around the red zone area, only giving up 13 passing touchdowns on the season, despite giving up over 2,500 passing yards to the wide receivers. So it's got to be. Is it exo facto connect the dots? So right? No, I'm going to say not so fast on the Jamison Crowder. He popped up with a calf injury. We talked about uh, Ezekiel Elliott just a little bit ago and how calf injuries are a finicky thing. And then you look up this matchup and actually you look at Seattle's slot corner. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm terrible at names. So I, I think it's Ugo Amadi. I, I, I apologize. When it's Pretty good. Is, Ugo is, Amadi. I'll yeah. take that. All right. So uh, I, I believe that's how you pronounce it. He is the slot corner. He's actually the best of all of Seattle's corners. He's only given up 0.19 fantasy points per route ran. So I do think that a lot of people are, are thinking Jamison Crowder is the play, and I think unless you're in a PPR, it could be a trap. I do think the play is Brashad Perriman, who should see DJ Reed Jr., who is giving up .31 fantasy points per route ran, and he's giving up 1.61 yards per route ran uh, to opposing uh, wide receivers, and that exactly fits what Brashad Perriman does. He's uh, right around the same measurement. And you look at Brashad Perryman, hasn't had over 50 yards receiving since week five. Um, but I do think that uh, he will get over that. I don't think that stats right, maybe. Uh, but I have to double check that. But I do think that Brashad Perryman is the play this week uh, if we're looking for a dart throughout the wide receiver. No, Austin loves to hear that. He's been a Perryman truther this entire year. We love the talent. It just hasn't always worked out, obviously, uh, with him this season. All right, if we like what the wide receivers could possibly do against this porous defense, we know that this defense has been so susceptible to passing offenses. Does that mean if fantasy, if, if the Whisper Nation is walking towards the ledge, Austin, are you going to help them get over the ledge and, and stream Sam Darnold, or, or are you telling them to step back from over there? You know, Travi, this falls right into that same group of quarterbacks, these below-the-fold maybe streamers that you could throw in there. We're talking about we're talking about uh, Derek Carr might be at the top of that list, along with Phillip Rivers and then Andy Dalton a little bit further down and Sam Darnold somewhere in that mucky muck. We know he's got a great matchup against Seattle, the second-best matchup for opposing quarterbacks. And Sam Darnold had a really good week last week. Three touchdowns. He One of them was a rushing touchdown. Season high, 24 fantasy points. But he has seven touchdowns on the entire year. Three of those came last week. And Darnold has broken 200 passing yards on only 25% of the games that he's played this season. If you're coming into week 14 of the playoffs and considering starting Sam Darnold, I, I don't know what kind of weird stream train you've been riding to get to this point right now, but I'd really encourage looking another route. Um, combine all of this data with the seemingly deliberate loss the Jets had against the Raiders last week with five seconds to go on that Henry Ruggs touchdown of no safety being in there. Greg Williams ends up getting fired after that. Look, players on the field are always going to play their hardest. They're playing to win. But coaches in front offices are playing for a long-term game. And Trevor Lawrence is a really hot ad, and the Jets are holding on to that first spot in the draft by just one game. And so if we saw them deliberately pull a defender to lose the game last week, what else could they be doing to try and lose a game against Seattle? And that would be, to me, running game, running plays that are less likely to score, which would cap Sam Darnold's ceiling tremendously. So even if they gave him a shot 
to do his best. His best this year hasn't been that great, and I'm not sure that they are. So I'd avoid the Sam Darnold stream this week, um, but I'm not surprised really if he actually does have a decent week, but there's just too much working against this for me to feel comfortable with Sam Darnold, Travi. I came into this matchup thinking I'd be the most confident in Ty Johnson, you know, especially if Gore misses. After Gore was out last week against Las Vegas, he had 22 carries, 104 yards, uh, touchdown, two of two receiving, um, 4.7 yards per carry. Like Ty Johnson was a nice ad this week, and he's going to get a Seattle D that just gave up 174 yards and two touchdowns to Wayne Gallman. We mentioned this low over under, 47 and a half, but then also a massive favorite um, is Seattle. And I just don't know if I'm going to trust. Ty Johnson this week because of negative game script. I think if you were in a desperate situation, maybe you throw him in there. Um, but it's kind of hard for me to trust him. I actually think I trust trust the passing game a little bit more for uh, the New York Jets. Let's start or let's move over to the Seattle side of the football. I want to start with that running game uh, because it seems to be Chris Carson is back, so he should be back in your lineup, uh, right, Johnny? Yeah. So it it hasn't been the best since returning for Chris Carson. He's been kind of nabbling or nibbling at uh, at giving you what you really wanted from Chris Carson this year. And you look at this play and you're like, oh, New York Jets. Your mouth starts watering. You're like, I got this in the bag. I would temper your expectations for Chris Carson this week. Uh, yes, he will be a good volume play. I do expect him to get the bulk of the carries. Uh, you can expect to see more hide in this game, though, if it does end up becoming a boat race uh, and and the script goes, you know, what it could, what, what a lot of people do expect. So I think that Chris Carson is a more of a low-end RB2 this week because you look at this Jets a defense, they're actually a little bit more stingy than people think. They're giving up less than 94 yards per game in total on the ground, and then they've only given up one rushing t touchdown on the season. And uh, now you might say, oh, well, what are what are the parameters like? That seems like a lot of fantasy points. Well, Miami Dolphins, who a lot of people think are, you know, a, a great fantasy defense or a great defense. Uh, well, they've actually done worse uh, over the last few or this season. They've given up more in both yards per game and rushing touchdowns to opposing running backs. So the matchup is a little bit more difficult, but you're going to still start Chris Carson. Um, but just temporary expectation. Austin, you've got a great spot for Russell Wilson to get right here. He's been a little bit down, but nothing like the Jets to make you right. Now, you, to get right, it's an interesting way to frame it for me because I don't think that Russell Wilson is 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 just not hitting it. I think they're shifting the way that they're playing football. I think that they're trying to have a more balanced approach versus just letting Russell Wilson pick the menu and cook for everybody. It's a more um, thoughtful, strategic approach. With And with that said, I think the reason for that came from some of the struggles. We saw the man um, from the beginning of the season versus what we've seen recently put out. In weeks one through nine, he didn't drop below 24.9 points. Since then, he has not broken 24.9 points. Russell Wilson's four worst games of the 2020 season have happened in the last four weeks. But he is going up against the Jets this week, who are ranked the number 32 pass defense in the NFL. I don't think that they're trying to win games. I think that Russell Wilson is really going to be able to do most of what he wants. This kind of situation, though, is what I'm concerned. I'm concerned where Russell Wilson and the Seahawks go up really early and then just slow it down and try to run it out. 
But even if the Seahawks and Russell Wilson have changed their play style from what we saw in the beginning of the year, you're starting Russell Wilson with confidence this week against the Jets, um, and he's going to have a great week for you. Yeah, I think that's the similar stance I'm going to take on, on these wide receivers because we've seen them dip a little bit. And I and look, I know we've talked about this before. You come to us, Whisper Nation, because in some ways we are that fantasy football therapist. We're going to help you gain confidence back in your studs. You should be absolutely confident in DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett going up against the Jets who give up 25.3 points per game. That's the 10th most in the NFL. Only the Falcons and Seahawks have given up more receiving yards to wide receivers this year. Um, the Jets have given up the six most wide receiver touchdowns this year with 13. You saw what this defense just did to the Raiders on the last play of the game last week. Like, give me DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, both of them within the top 10 in standard and PPR. Fire them up with confidence. It's going to be a great day for both of them. Our next game on the slate is the Detroit Lions hosting the Green Bay Packers. This is a 55 and a half point over under with Green Bay favored by seven on the road. I want to start with the wide receiving core uh, because we know wide receivers have had their way with Detroit over the last few weeks, and we know what Devontae Adams is. Like, this guy rolls out of bed with a touchdown and 100 yards. Uh, but is there anything there, Austin, in the wide receivers beyond uh, Devontae Adams? Well, there's two wide receivers outside of Devontae Adams that you're considering. Those two names are Alan Lazard and Marquez Valdez-Scanley. We'll start with the latter there, who has two straight weeks now without a catch. Two targets, zero receptions, following a zero targets, zero receptions week 12. MVS, we know is a boom or bust play. I think I said last week on the show that the 8 to 17 point range is the dead zone for MVS. He's never scored between 8 and 17. It's always less than 8 or more than 17. And I don't think he's going to be getting above 17 very many games the rest of the season. But again, it's only one play away from that happening. That's his role but it hasn't looked good the last couple of weeks. The other name here to consider is Alan Lazard, who we know was out for uh, a month and a half, two months with the core issue, the abdominal surgery he went through. Last week was his highest snap percentage since returning. He had 46% the week before last and 69% snap share last week, which is really good. He's had 14 targets the last three weeks, good for third on the team right behind um, Adams and one target behind Robert Tunyon, their tight end. He's still not a great option. Um, he's definitely one who brings you some pop. He's done a lot with the opportunities given to him. He's five for six on red zone targets. Um, Rogers likes him in the end zone. Uh, I think that trend is going to continue, but we're talking about small sample sizes that he does a lot of work with. And so if Alan Lazard, say, misses two of those targets that come his way, that's going to take it from like a pretty good day to a totally forgettable day. And so it's, um, you know, start him with, start him with a little caution. It's not a bad start, but you can't rely on it, Travis. Staying with those that catch balls from Aaron Rodgers, I want to talk about Robert Tunyon being a, a must-start this week. Three straight games with at least five targets, four catches, and a touchdown uh, in those games. So, like, that's great usage for a tight end in, in, a, in a tight end situation that we've talked about all the time is bad. This is one of the worst matchups he can get. Tenth uh, best against tight ends is Detroit. But, look, if Rodgers is throwing you the ball and he's throwing his tight end the ball, I think you're going to start him. And I love the usage where Tunyon is at. Johnny, I want to shift gears over to Aaron Jones because, you know, back in week eight, he came back uh, from injury uh, to face the San Francisco 49ers. And we saw his, you know, snaps kind of limited up until recently where he's starting to increase. Was it a, a, a situation where they were preserving Aaron Jones, maybe for this playoff stretch run? 
or how are you and how are you feeling about going into this game? Obviously, we know what he's capable of ceiling wise. Do you think his floor is evened out again now? I definitely think that they were kind of saving him for this later part. Listen, we know that Lambo it, it gets cold there in December and a lot of places it gets cold, but not as cold as as Lambo. And I think that that's what they wanted. They wanted to save Aaron Jones because he is on the smaller side. But I'm here to tell you, if you've got Aaron Jones and you've survived through all of the, you know, the injuries, the ups and the downs that Aaron Jones has had throughout this year, I'm here to tell you that don't be surprised if he leads a lot of people to the fantasy championship this year. You look at not only this matchup, right? We'll, we'll talk about this matchup just briefly. Uh, going up against Detroit, who's allowing the most fantasy points to opposing running backs, haven't given up twenty. Uh, they've they've given up twenty three total touchdowns to running backs this season. Uh, Aaron Jones, who we talked about, was in a bit of a touchdown slump. Uh, you know, got back on track last week. I look for that to continue this week. I think he'll have one touchdown for sure, if not two touchdowns this week, and then. You, you just talked about Aaron Jones, three straight weeks of increased snap count. He's seen at least 18 plus targets in four out of five games since returning from that injury. And then check this out. That schedule this is why I tell people that he's going to lead people to fantasy championships. Uh, he's he, next week. Or, sorry, this week he plays Detroit. Next week he plays Carolina. And then the following week he plays Tennessee. You look at those three teams. They've allowed 12 plus touchdowns each. Uh, to, opposing running backs this season so look for the touchdown gold to continue for aaron jones this week and for the next few weeks in the fantasy playoffs just a one-liner that kind of blew my mind i was putting together today aaron Rodgers has three total touchdowns in seven straight starts three or more touchdowns in seven straight starts you're obviously starting aaron Rodgers. not that you needed me to tell you that on the other side of the ball we have the detroit lions whose wide receiving core i want to ask austin about because Without Kenny Galladay, it's kind of been not only hit or miss, but super underwhelming. How do you feel about some of these wide receivers here uh, in this matchup, given Green Bay's ability to kind of stop the pass with ease? You know, Marvin Jones has not been talked about a lot this year, and he deserves a little bit more airtime um, in the fantasy football conversation here. Since Galladay went down week eight, Marvin Jones has been the wide receiver number six on the season. And during that same stretch, he's averaging eight and a half targets a game. He's got five touchdown receptions, and last week we saw his best output of the year. Eight catches on 12 targets, 116 yards, and one touchdown. Now, the biggest concern for me then comes from Packers shutdown cornerback Jair Alexander. How much can you expect Jair Alexander to be covering Marvin Jones? Jair Alexander really covers the left side. 68% of the time, he hangs out there, and Marvin Jones is a real even third between left side, right side, and in the slot. So it's not going, you don't expect to see a lot of shadow coverage from shutdown Jair Alexander on Marvin Jones. He's going to get some action on him for sure. We'll see if they switch a game plan up, but we're looking back in the stats. No, it's going to be a sampling of cornerbacks, which I think bodes pretty well for Marvin Jones this week. Johnny, TJ Hawkinson been super consistent this year. You think that continues here against Green Bay? I absolutely do. Uh, it is a difficult matchup. Uh, no. The Packers, excuse me, bottom seven in points allowed to the tight end position. But you look at TJ Hawkinson and just how he makes his, his hay. He scores 65% of his points from yardage. And so he's not one of those touchdown dependent tight ends, which we talk about, which don't necessarily like on this show. Uh, and then you just look at what else he does. Seven or more targets in five out of six games. He hasn't had fewer than 68 receiving yards in the last three games. Really starting to heat up at the right time. 
for fantasy uh, rosters. Definitely get them in your lineup. Somebody you're going to want in your lineup is whoever is the starting running back for the Detroit Lions facing these Packers. Green Bay, top six in fantasy points allowed to running backs, top six in rushing touchdowns allowed to running backs, and top six in receiving touchdowns allowed to running backs. The question will be, can we get DeAndre Swift back in time? Because he offers a huge ceiling here. Prior to missing his last three games, he had back-to-back weeks uh, with over 16 touches. This guy's got 11 or more fancy points in four of his last five games played. You want DeAndre Swift back, and you want him for this particular matchup. But should he miss again? I like Adrian Peterson. Uh, in his last two games, 31 carries, 112 yards, and four total touchdowns. Austin, you know, Adrian Peterson's made a Hall of Fame career off of eating the Packers lunch. Like, yeah, this is yeah. a guy that will be motivated to beat the Packers for sure. So uh, not something we'd want to see if we're a Packer fan, but hopefully that means DeAndre Swift gets into the lineup. Austin, just really quickly wanted to ask about Matthew Stafford. Had a tough matchup last week, but got it done against Chicago. This will be another tough matchup, but he's at home, high over under. He likes to show up in these Green Bay battles against Aaron Rodgers. Got a little chip on his shoulder when he plays Rodgers. Yeah, he does. And he he shows up to these divisional showdowns. We talked about it last week in that divisional matchup against a pretty tough Bears defense. I predicted Matt Stafford was going to have a good day, and he did have a good day coming out of that one. I think Matt Stafford moving forward, his biggest concern from, a, from around the industry has been his health. We know he's dealing with some torn ligaments in his throwing hand, and as well as his top wide receiver's hip, Kenny Galladay. Surprisingly enough, Matt Stafford's two best performances this season have both come during recovery from that thumb and with Kenny Galladay out of the lineup. So if, if data is pointing towards evidence here, he's okay. He's okay right now. His hand is, and he's got enough options around him to weather Kenny Galladay being down. You know, in week two this season, they played the Packers. He had 20 completions, 33 attempts, two touchdowns, one interception, 244 yards. I think Stafford's playing a little bit better now than he was then, but I think you can expect something similar in that capacity. Uh, I, I, three touchdowns. One interception, 302 yards is what I'd expect to see out of Matt Stafford, given the Packers' defense is middle of the road, a little bit on the tougher side. Um, and, and and he's been really good against the pressure, too. So it's the divisional matchup's got a little bit of magic happening to it. They play it really serious. Um, I think Matt Stafford is, when we talk about all those streamable options at the quarterback position, I would really put Matt Stafford at the top of them. We're going to move on to the next game, which is a game where I think fans are going to be more interested in who will lose this game who will find a way to lose this game rather than who will win the game. And that's right. The Chargers finally face the Falcons in the two most over, or I should say underachieving franchises are going after each other uh, in this matchup. It's a 50.5 over under. Uh, you've got the Chargers barely favored at home by two and a half. I'm really excited for this game because somebody's got to win. I guess they could tie, uh, but I think this is going to be a good matchup. When we look at the Atlanta side of the ball, Johnny, Todd Gurley, after being one of the most consistent RB2s we could find uh, this year, has really just hit a wall, and it's not like we're surprised, but how do, do fantasy GMs attack this? They're about to uh, have a big headache, unfortunately. That's not what you want heading into the playoffs. Uh, on paper, this is a great matchup. LA Chargers giving up the eight rushing yards, two opposing running backs. So you would say, yes, Todd Gurley, playing, get him in your lineup. Well, not so fast. They've been putting a cap on Todd Gurley's touches, especially with his knee issues. Uh, and he just logged just 33% of the offensive snaps on Sunday against the Saints. So uh, that is not good. They do expect him to get an expanded role. Uh, but to be honest with you guys, I'm not trusting. And even 
expanded role, knowing that Todd Gurley's knee uh, is not fully healthy. And then you've also got um, Ito Smith and Brian Hill monitor this situation. Ito Smith was uh, getting the second most number of snaps, or the most number of snaps, excuse me, uh, last week, but then went down with a head injury. Brian Hill also sprinkled in there. So I just think that this is a big mess, something that you want to avoid week one of the fantasy playoffs. Would it pique your interest a little more if Brian Hill was named the only guy to be rolling out there? Like if they get if Edo Smith and Todd Gurley miss, would you be okay with Brian Hill? Then, then I would just because uh, you know they might call up Quadri Olson, and I, I do think that they would give the bulk of the carries to Brian Hill. And being that you know the Chargers are susceptible just to the run, uh, I do think that then he would flex play. I want to talk about Matt Ryan, Austin. He's been up and down this year as a streamable, you know, start spot start at quarterback. How are you feeling in this matchup? Decent over-under. Could be a sneaky shootout. How do you feel about putting him in your lineup week one of the playoffs? You know, the funny thing when you look at fantasy football is there's so much data to look at. We could look at last week. We could look at last season. We could look at the course of a career to try to help predict of what's coming up. Um, Matt Ryan has given us such a large sample size. We know he's got ups and downs. We know he is capable of being an elite fantasy quarterback, not at a consistent level, but at a consistent enough one where we've seen him be the number two overall quarterback on the season, and he can give you top three performances literally any week. And this week, I think it's going on the upside. The Chargers defense gives the fifth most amount of points to the quarterbacking position. And when Matt Ryan has gone up against a bottom 10 defense this season, He's averaging 361 yards and three touchdowns. That's his average. I think he's going to have a similar output to that. It's really going to depend on the health of his weapons. But I think that the game flow, I think the confidence, I think that the team skill all points in a positive direction, Travis, for streaming Matt Ryan this week, one of your fantasy playoffs. Yeah, and I think that's powered behind his two wide receivers. Obviously, we're going to have to watch Julio Jones. Hasn't practiced this week yet. He's got the hamstring, but he's battled these injuries his entire career, and really this year's been a microcosm of that. He battled back through a hammy last week to post 6 of 10 for 94 yards, 15.7 yards per reception. Look, he goes, you're starting him. You're putting him in there. And I know the Chargers are a decent matchup, you know, top nine against wide receiver, only giving up 21.7 points per game. But if you look at four of their last five opponents, Las Vegas, Miami, the Jets, the pa the Patriots, not exactly the wide receivers that you're facing in Atlanta with Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. So for me, you're starting Cal or Julio if he goes, and obviously you're starting Calvin regardless. Wide receiver six in standard, the 12 in PPR, nine or more targets in three straight. He's got only two games, guys, below 14 fantasy points, um, and he hasn't dipped below 50 yards in three straight. He's just been an absolute stud all year, uh, save for two games. Uh, you like that. Austin, can you make a quick case if you would start or wouldn't start Hayden Hurst in this matchup? Yeah, sure. Um, he's dealing with an ankle injury, plus he's really been wildly consistent over the last month. 62 yards, 0 yards, 48 yards, 9 yards. You don't love that, but I do love he's going up against a bottom 10 tight end defense. If he's healthy, you can do a lot worse than starting Hayden Hurst and keep an eye on Julio Jones. If any of those other pass catching options are down, that's a bump up for Hayden Hurst. Expect two to three extra targets that week. Johnny, the Chargers are one of the most exciting offenses in fantasy, but they're coming off with their worst performance of the year against the Patriots. So right when the fantasy playoffs are on us, we're trying to understand if we can trust this offense. So I'll start with you and the pass catchers and these wide receivers. This is a prime matchup for all of them. How do you feel about Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and the bunch this week? 
I'm really glad what happened uh, happened last week and not this week. Uh, that's what I'll tell you. I think that you can full streams ahead on this week's go with these wide receivers much better on paper. I think that was much more of a New England and Bill Belichick teaming with a rookie quarterback. They knew how to get in his head, how to how to really confuse him. I don't think the same thing is going to be for Atlanta. Now, Atlanta's defense has been picking up the last few weeks, but they're still giving up the second most receiving yards to opposing wide receivers. Uh, they've, they have only surrendered 11 touchdowns to opposing wide receivers, so they are a little bit more of a bend but don't break defense, but I'm still throwing Keenan Allen in there. Should see a lot of Isaiah Oliver. That is giving up .37 fantasy points per route ran, so Keenan Allen should have a mega day like he been having and then mike williams i do think that he is a flex uh wide receiver for you this week i think uh he or he does i don't think i know he gets darquez denard on him who's been giving up 0.32 fantasy points per route ran so i do think that there will be big plays to be had against this atlanta offense uh, or defense and i think mike williams could come up big for you in the first round Austin, are you in a similar vein with Hunter Henry? Bad week last week, but this whole offense kind of did. How do you feel like he bounces back this week? Yeah, I'm calling it a fluke. The month before, minus the last week, he had seven-plus targets in all four matchups with touchdowns in half of them. The cool thing about Hunter Henry's game is he gets a lot of points and opportunity on the ground or, or through the air, but I mean he, catching um, passes, collecting yards, getting you points outside of just touchdowns 74 percent in fact of his points come from yards that's the most of any tight end in the top 12 if he did start getting touchdowns which he only has three on the season i mean robert tunyon tyler higby rob gronkowski there's a lot of guys who you would expect to have less touchdowns have quite a bit more than hunter henry if he did start grabbing a few of those he would take a leap I'm into that TJ Hawkinson category, start flirting with some Mark Andrews uh, conversations. But right now he just hasn't done that. The opportunity's there. I think it could come up. I think you could, Hunter Henry, I'm not surprised if he ends up being the tight end of the playoffs when it comes, because the opportunity's been there all season. It just hasn't clicked in the end zone yet. On, on the running back side of the ball, Austin Eckler really rewarding fantasy GMs by coming back just in time for the playoffs. Uh, this is another great spot for him, and maybe not so much on the ground. Atlanta's been a top-four unit against the run. Uh, they've allowed the fourth-fewest points per game, the second-fewest rushing yards per game, and the third-fewest rushing touchdowns. But then you look at what they give up to the receiving backs. They're more middle of the road. They've given up 431 receiving yards. That's 15th most. Five receiving touchdowns to running backs. That's the third most in the NFL. So really, I think this is a, a, a matchup that benefits Austin Eckler, he's an elite option. Even in a game last week, you look at what the Chargers did. Zero points last week. Eckler still had 12 touches, nearly 80 all-purpose yards, and double-digit fantasy points against New England. So you love Eckler. You're starting him with confidence here. And even in what looks like a tough matchup on paper, should be good. Can we trust Justin Herbert after having such a great floor, such a great compiler, Austin, of yards? This is a pristine spot for him to bounce back or are we okay with the rookie this week trust is such a funny word man for a rookie quarterback trust is not what i would use but roll him out absolutely this is fantasy football and justin herbert if you're in the playoffs, starting justin herbert he has gotten you here he has been such a great asset for your team i mean he just has an ability to drop monster weeks at any point in time it's the way the chargers like to play football 
Now, last week was a bad week. The week before that wasn't a great week either, but I'm going to actually take his rookie status as a positive in this component because it's, I mean, I'm not going to say we're looking at deep trends. I'm saying we, Justin Herbert's got the ability to really air the ball out. He's got phenomenal weapons all around him. Um, and I think that this type of volatility a rookie quarterback brings to the table is going to work in your favor, given they're going up against Atlanta, who gives up the most amount of fantasy points to the quarterback in position. Ride the lightning, Travis. Ride it all the way to a fantasy win. Ride the lightning. They are the Chargers. Let's see if they'll, uh, I would say the San Diego Superchargers, but they're the Los Angeles Superchargers. Bolt up, baby. <laughs> go, Chargers, go. Uh, no, uh, we, we did it. We've, we've wrapped up another matchup episode for you. Remember if you are new to our YouTube channel or haven't subscribed, make sure you do and find all of our other content on the fantasy for Austin Sear and Johnny game time Hicks. I am big Travi and we are the fantasy whispers. We're out. Peace. Thank you for listening to the fantasy whispers podcast. You can hear more from John and Travis on Google play SoundCloud and iTunes. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at TF whispers.